0: and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the ChemTrade Logistics Quarter 3 Earnings Call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question-and-answer session. To ask the question during the session, you'll need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference call is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. We would like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Mr. Rohit Birdwatch, Chief Financial Officer, please go ahead.
1: Thank you,
2: Sarah. Uh, good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. We also have Scott Rook, our CEO, on the call this morning. Uh, and like the last few calls, both of us are in different locations. Uh, I'd like to highlight that we will have a slide presentation to accompany our earnings results discussion today. You should be able to view the presentation on the webcast link provided and the slides will also be available for download from our website. I will begin by reviewing results for the third quarter of 21, and then I will provide an update to our 2021 full year's earnings guidance and underlying assumptions and key sensitivities, after which Scott will follow his remarks on the current state and outlook for the business, and then following that, we will have a Q&A session. Before I start on the Q3 results, I'd like to remind you that our presentation contains certain forward-looking statements that are based on current expectations and are subject to a number of uncertainties and risks, and actual results may differ materially. Further information identifying risks, uncertainties, and assumptions, and additional information on certain non-IFRS measures referred to in this call can be found in the disclosure documents filed by Chemtrade, the securities secretary authorities available at sedar.com one of the non IFRS measures that we will refer to in this call is adjusted EBITDA, which is EBITDA modified to exclude only certain non cash items such as unrealized foreign exchange gains and losses. For ease, while our accompanying presentation will refer to adjusted EBITDA, we will just refer to it as EBITDA in our remarks as opposed to adjusted EBITDA. Both these terms are fully defined in our MDNA. Starting with aggregate results for the third quarter of 2021, revenue was $365 million, an increase of 19.2 million from the third quarter of 2020. The increase in revenue for the third quarter is mainly due to higher volumes and pricing for chloralkali products. The higher volume was due to higher demand for chlorine and hydrochloric acid or HCL, which allowed us uh, for higher operating rates at our North Vancouver facility. The higher volumes combined with higher pricing for HCl and chlorine gave a lift to revenue for the period. This was partially offset by the continued strength of the Canadian dollar relative to the U.S. dollar, which had a negative impact on revenues of $15.2 million. The Canadian dollar relative to the U.S. dollar was significantly stronger during the third quarter at U.S. $1 equaling Canadian 126 compared to the same period of 2020 when U.S. $1 equaled Canadian 133. Consolidated EBITDA of $67.3 million was $2.6 million higher than the third quarter of 2020. Higher corporate costs due to higher long-term incentive plan or LTIP accruals and the stronger Canadian dollar partially offset the stronger business performance. Distributable cash of $19.3 million was $7.2 million higher than the same period of 2020. As a reminder, every one cent of increase in the Canadian dollar per U.S. dollar is expected to reduce annual EBITDA by roughly $2.1 million and distributable cash by $1.1 million and vice versa. Shifting now to the individual segment results for the quarter, Sulfur Products and Performance Chemicals, or SPPC, generated revenue of $109.2 million in the third quarter of 21, which was $3.9 million higher than the third quarter of 2020 despite the negative $5.1 million impact of the stronger Canadian dollar. The increase in revenue is due to higher selling prices for sulfur products, regen, and merchant acid, partially offset by lower sales volumes of acid products. We are pleased to see the SPPC segment continue to rebound as COVID-19 restrictions were lifted in North America and miles-driven returns to pre-pandemic levels. As, our, as a reminder, our regen business serves gasoline refineries. We also benefited from higher pricing in region and merchant acid due to improved demand and higher sulfur costs. In ul- ultra pure acids, we have made good progress replacing sales volume that was lost from the previously disclosed large end use customer. The DAF of the period was $33.5 million, of which $2.5 million, uh, which, which was $2.5 million higher than 2020. The labor disruption at our large byproduct supplier valet had a negative impact of roughly $6 million on EBITDA. The stronger Canadian dollar had a negative impact of $1.5 million. Our Water Solutions and Specialty Chemicals, or WSSC segment, reported third quarter revenue of $119.4 million, which was similar to the third quarter of 2020. The stronger Canadian dollar had a negative impact on revenue of $5.7 million, However, higher prices for water products offset the foreign exchange impact and lower sales volumes of water products. EBITDA for the period was $25.7 million, which was $3.5 million lower than the same period in 2020. As previously disclosed, escalating raw material costs, especially for sulfuric acid and aluminum, have caused a reduction to margins. While selling prices are being adjusted to pass through cost increases, Given the upward trajectory of raw material costs, it will take additional time before selling prices fully offset raw material increases. As a reminder, the water products business is generally a contract business with municipal customers that typically requires annual commitments on pricing. As a result, our ability to recoup raw material cost increases typically lags because they're unable to adjust selling prices until contracts come up for renewal. This is creating a short-term headwind for the business as raw materials are rising, but there should be a tailwind benefit when raw materials are declining. The Electrochemical or EC segment reported third quarter revenue of $136.4 million, a $15.7 million increase over the third quarter of 2020. The higher revenue was primarily due to higher sales volumes and selling prices for chloroalkali products and higher sales volumes for sodium chlorate. Sales volume for caustic soda, HCL, and chlorine increased by 20%, 22%, and 24% respectively compared to the same period of 2020. Selling prices for HCL and chlorine increased by 27% and 26% respectively. This was partially offset by lower selling prices for sodium chlorate and a negative impact of $4.4 million due to the stronger Canadian dollar. EBITDA for the period was $33.7 million compared to $24.5 million in 2020, an increase of $9.2 million. The factors that benefited revenue also benefited EBITDA and more than offset the impact of the stronger Canadian dollar of $2.3 million. Corporate costs for the third quarter of 21 were $25.7 million compared with $20.1 million in the same period in 2020. Excluding unrealized foreign exchange gains, corporate costs were $5.6 million higher than the same period of 2020. The increase in corporate costs was primarily due to a $6.7 million increase in LTIP accruals. The higher LTIP expenses were partially offset by lower discretionary spending during the period compared to 2020. Turning now to our balance sheet, we maintain senior credit facilities that consist of a U.S. $325 million term loan, and a U.S. $525 million devolving credit line, which in total represents an aggregate credit facility of U.S. $850 million. We continue to maintain ample liquidity, with U.S. $271.2 million undrawn on the credit facility at the end of the quarter. As of September 30, 2021, Chemtrade was compliant with all debt covenants contained in its credit agreement, with a senior debt-to-EBITDA ratio of approximately 3.5. Template has no debt maturities until August 23. Also, as a reminder, our decision to borrow mainly in U.S. dollars provides a long-term hedge against currency fluctuations. I'd also like to highlight the recent completion of the sale of the assets relating to the two specialty chemicals within the WSSC business, potassium chloride and vaccine adjuvants. The sale to Bertellus LLC closed on November 2nd, and generated US $155 million in gross proceeds which are used to pay down debt in a credit facility. Based upon the midpoint of guidance for 21 and after making a pro forma adjustment for the loss of a full year's EBITDA of the disposed business, this repayment will reduce Chemtrade's senior debt to EBITDA ratio by approximately 0.7 times. So this will have or this has had a significant impact on delevering the balance sheet and positioning Chemtrade to focus its resources on its core business. The earnings from these businesses will be included in our earnings until the closing of the sale, which occurred on November 2nd. Subsequent to the end of the third quarter of 21, Chemtrade settled a lawsuit relating to Connexus Corporation's North American Terminal Operations, or NATO, assets for $21 million. A net benefit of approximately $17.6 million will be recorded in corporate costs during the fourth quarter of 21. I'll now shift to our financial outlook. We reinstated our guidance for twenty one last quarter, and I'd like to take a few minutes to provide an update to that forecast and revised assumptions. For the full year twenty twenty one, we reiterate our prior guidance, but now expect to be at the higher end of the range. This does consider the loss of earnings from the assets sold on November second, but excludes the benefit of the lawsuit settlement during the fourth quarter of twenty one. The guidance is detailed on the slide, so I won't read it out. There are a few significant factors to be considered when comparing 21's EBITDA range and actual EBITDA achieved in 2020, and these are shown on the slide. The key assumptions driving that outlook are in our MD&A and shown on the slide. I won't read these out for you, but will remind you that our caustic solar price generally lags the Northeast Asia spot index by a quarter. The key sensitivities that will have an, annual, that have an annual impact on our EBITDA are shown in the slide. Again, I won't read these out. I would now hand the call over to Scott for some comments on the longer term outlook for Chemtrade's
1: business. Scott. Thank you, Rohit. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's third quarter earnings call. I hope all of you are doing well. As you heard from Rohit's update on the third quarter, We now have two solid quarters of positive momentum and are really excited about the outlook for our earnings. I'll now spend some time updating you on our view of longer-term outlook strategy. One of the primary goals of our strategy is to deliver sustained earnings growth, which will result in an improved balance sheet and reward investors. Additionally, Kim Trade will focus on on being a leading example for corporate environmental, social, and governance, or ESG, responsibility. This is ingrained in our culture, and we will continue to strive towards making a positive impact for our employees, customers, shareholders, and the society we operate in. There are three components to our strategy. The first component is being positioned to benefit from market recovery as the COVID-19 vaccines get rolled out and the economy returns to more normal levels. The second is that we are diligently pursuing organic growth opportunities that will deliver increased size, scale, and diversity of our earnings. In the near term, we're focused on organic growth opportunities that we find attractive. And in several years, as our balance sheet strengthens, we will consider acquisitions again. And finally, a key area of focus for us is our operational excellence. We are passionate about improving our productivity, assets, and people to drive sustainable earnings. We see our our business and our balance sheet improving with time. The market recovery component of our strategy is clearly starting to materialize. First, beginning with the EC business, which includes our Coral Alkali product line, in the third quarter, we saw significant improvement in the caustic soda market. As you may know, the caustic market price for our North Vancouver production is closely tied to the Northeast Asia spot price. In the third quarter, China curtailed caustic production as part of their national policy to reduce energy consumption. An ISIS report in October indicated production was capped at 50 to 70% of capacity. China also reduced production rates on alumina, which requires caustic as a key feedstock. This has required alumina producers outside of China to run at higher rates to meet global demand. The resulting impact is an increase in demand for exports of caustic soda from China, coupled with lower supply that's driving the higher Northeast Asia spot. We expect this trend to continue, providing a nice lift to caustic soda pricing. In the last few weeks, we saw dramatic increases in the Northeast Asia caustic price, with prices hitting over $900 per ton, an all-time high. The industry production IHS reported that the average price for the month of October was $777, which is a dramatic increase from earlier this year. As a reminder, every $50 per ton increase in caustic pricing the business generates about $10.5 U.S. in greater margin. For perspective, even if the Northeast Asia spot price was $400 per ton, which it was prior to the recent dramatic run-up, and if it stayed flat at that level for three quarters of next year, that would mean roughly a $25 million improvement over our outlook this year. HCL demand and pricing also continued to improve with oil prices moving higher and fracking activity picking up. This is particularly true for Western Canada where our coal alkali production is based. Chlorine demand and pricing also continued to benefit from strong demand for PVC and bleach products combined with the, with the capacity in the US that was rationalized earlier this year. Additionally, there have been multiple weather-related events in 2021 that reduced production, particularly in the U.S. Gulf Coast. We expect pricing will remain at these levels, driven by strong demand. Improved fundamentals for co-products chlorine and HCL have the added benefit of allowing us to maintain high operating rates at the North Vancouver facility, thereby selling more caustic soda. We are seeing some modest improvement in demand for sodium chlorate as offices and schools reopen and demand for printing paper recovers. In the WSSC business, as Rohit mentioned, we are seeing higher raw material costs, particularly with our largest product line, aluminum sulfate. As I mentioned in my comments on, on the caustic soda market, the curtailments that China has made in aluminum production are impacting global supply dynamics and driving pricing higher. Alumina is a key feedstock for our aluminum sulfate product. So the higher pricing is negatively impacting our water business. We're also seeing higher pricing for sulfuric acid, which is the other key raw material used to make aluminum sulfate. So these raw material increases in the water business will offset some of the gains that we are expecting in the caustic soda market in the EC business. However, we will look to pass the higher costs on to our end customers as the contracts and bids are renewed. This has been an ongoing process that will provide a tailwind to the business when the raw materials revert to historical levels. In the SPPC business, regen sulfuric acid has maintained its momentum on improved volume led by higher North American refinery utilization. In the third quarter, schools across North America reopened, signifying another milestone in the post-COVID-19 return to normalcy. U.S. highway traffic data has returned to pre-pandemic levels, further confirming that we are seeing uh, about our daily lives. We expect that driving miles in 2022 will be back to pre-pandemic levels. The merchant acid market is also benefiting from the recovery in industrial production. This market was very tight in the third quarter, resulting in strong demand for our product and higher pricing. The key raw material in sulfuric acid, sulfur, has also commanded higher pricing, but the merchant acid business has been able to pass the majority of these costs through to end users. The ultra-pure acid business has made good progress offsetting the reduction in demand at one of our customers that was previously disclosed. We have been working closely with a number of customers to grow our share of their business, and we expect our ultra-pure business to be back to near sold out levels in 2022. So this is a nice transition point to discuss the organic growth opportunities We remain focused on the significant potential for growth that we're seeing in our current businesses. As we have previously mentioned, the single largest opportunity for organic growth is our ultra-pure sulfuric acid that mainly supplies the semiconductor industry. The long-term fundamentals for semiconductor industry remain strong, with leading global semiconductor manufacturers announcing U.S. expansion plans, coupled with the U.S. government's commitment to supply domestic chip manufacturing capacity as a matter of national security. As I mentioned, we have seen a strong recovery in demand for ultra-pure acid and expect to return to 2020 sales level next year. We have been evaluating options to add capacity to meet the growing needs of our key customers. I am pleased to announce that our board has approved an expansion of approximately 60% of our ultra-pure acid capacity at our Cairo, Ohio facility. In addition to adding capacity at our site, we will also improve the quality capability of the site. We expect that the Cairo facility will be the first site in the United States capable of producing ultra-pure acid at the quality level needed for the new fabrication plants in the US. The estimated cost of our expansion is approximately 50 million Canadian dollars with a target targeted return rate of 25% and an expected startup in 2024. We are also making solid progress in developing our co-production of hydrogen that's part of the sodium chlorate process. We have been pursuing several opportunities in the hydrogen market that will allow us to fully monetize these hydrogen streams. Our plants manufacturing sites use hydroelectric power, so we are generating green hydrogen, which is important from an ESG perspective and financial return. We are excited to leverage this unique position to help us reduce the global carbon footprint while also creating a sustainable earning stream. I'll now spend a few minutes talking about the operational excellence initiatives we have been working on. Starting with the productivity and reliability initiative that we initiated in 2020, we are making progress on a number of projects that will help us reduce waste in our business. You can read some of these projects on the slide. The projects are critical to generating sustainable earnings and will help offset from some of the inflationary cost increases going forward. These projects have become even more important as inflation has picked up in the last quarter. We remain committed to supporting these initiatives with the ultimate goal to develop a culture of continuous improvement that leverages the best practices and technology to drive improved performance. I would now like to discuss our ESG approach and how we will be implementing systems company-wide to help us track our performance. Targets will be set and integrated into our long-term strategic planning, which will include environmental, such as greenhouse gas, waste and energy management, social, workforce and operational safety, emergency preparedness, and employee diversity and inclusion. Governance, a focus on business ethics, management of our legal and regulatory environment, and proactively governing our environmental and social issues. Some of our recent ESG highlights include our focus on renewable energy, where 96% of the electricity used at our 17 largest facilities was generated from renewable hydroelectric sources in 2020. From a waste generation standpoint, over 75% of our industrial waste is high clay alumina or HCA. In 2020, we we repurposed 27% and reduced landfill costs. Our target for next year is to reprocess an additional 30% of our HCA waste. And most importantly, on safety in 2020, employee injury frequency, excluding COVID, was at a seven-year low. This has created a culture where our employee retention rate in 2020 was 86.6%. So in summary, we are excited about the momentum we are seeing in the post-COVID-19 recovery. Our earnings growth remains well positioned to benefit from the recovery. Commercially, we will continue to pursue organic growth opportunities in Ultra-Pure and Hydrogen. Operationally, we will continue to focus on driving productivity and reliability to reduce cost. Additionally, we'll be a leading example for corporate ESG responsibility. These initiatives are critical to our business performance, and we remain committed to seeing them come to fruition. In conclusion, we see a strong recovery in many parts of our business as we enter into 2022 with strong momentum and an improved balance sheet.
3: Thank you. Rohit
1: and I will now be happy to take questions.
0: As a reminder, to ask the question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Again, if you would like to ask the question, press star the number 1 on your telephone keypad. Please stand by while we compile the q roster. Your first question comes from the line of Joel Jackson from BMO Capital Markets. Your line is open.
4: Hi, good morning, gentlemen. I have a few questions I'm going to ask them one by one. I um, appreciate the, the reiterated color on the upside the caustic, uh, sensitive caustic pricing. Um, when caustic prices go up double in a couple of months, uh, do you capture pricing that quickly? Like I know you'll get into discussions end November, early December. Is, is that, does that work where you can capture the benchmark or when you have such a high rate of increases over a short period of time, do you get demand destruction? you get much more intense discussions? How does it work? So Joe, uh, this, is, this is Scott. Um,
1: so right right now demand is uh, is very strong and so uh, so we do capture those price increases but remember that uh, that our pricing our pricing on caustic is generally set on last quarter's the the average for last quarter's caustic price
4: so there
5: there are no I, sorry
4: price- I'm asking for Q1 I'm asking for Q1 pricing sorry exactly. I'm asking, oh. sorry to interrupt. I'm asking for November and December early December IHS benchmarks doubling in a couple of months. Can you capture that for Q1 or will the discussion be more intense? Uh, I believe we can capture that. and um, then uh, you, you raised that uh, MECU production uh, this year to the cut ninety thousand times It's been higher we have seen for the last few years. Um, what will MECU production be next year? Can you keep that 190 rate going until the turnaround at North Van? And then then what would production be for 22, do you think?
2: Yeah, so in 22, Joel, we do have uh, the turnaround at North Van, right? So we we lose some production there. Um, So I I think, you know, we should still be able to be in that, you know, 190-ish range, uh, because we'll run the plant harder for the rest of the year, and and just take the the downtime for probably in Q two when we do our turnaround.
4: That's helpful. And um, what will corporate costs look like in two thousand twenty
2: two? So we should be back. I mean, there's been a lot of noise, so I, I'll qualify my response just that you know the ltip is is one that is hard for us to to. Uh, to give an accurate response. So I would say that, you know, generally our, our normal rate, run rate is between 65 and $70 million. And then, then, you know, we'll have to see where the ultimate ends up next year. And that'll depend on our performance. And, and, you know, so be, so it could be a bit higher than that uh, based on how we perform. And,
4: and just finally, if I understand your, your color on WSSC, um, so we should expect some margin contraction. And then as these annual contracts for alums that keep rolling, uh, then you should get margin expansion across 22 later in the year. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, and that's, that's really, if you look back at 2020, that's really what happened uh, in that year. Thank you.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Steve Hansen from Raymond James. Your line is open.
3: Yeah, thanks, guys. Just a question on the peer side to start. It sounds like you've been able to fill that book a little bit sooner or faster than expected. Has there been, uh, you know, one or two customers that have stepped up for that production volume, or, or what's changed there that's allowed you to to get back uh, to fill the hole, so to speak?
1: So, um, so. Yes, we we have um, we have filled up uh, our business faster. If you remember at the beginning of, of this year, I said it might take uh, eighteen months to, or more, and we've we've done that in uh, in actually in a, a little under uh, twelve months. So what's driving that? I think is just the strong demand for chips. So um, number one, it's the strong demand for chips, um, and there is well there is a Uh, There's a shortage of acid in the U.S., so imports have to come in in order to to meet the full demand. Uh, Imports coming in have have been infected or uh, affected by the supply chain disruptions that we've all seen. Number two, chemtrade made improvements in our quality. We invested capital um, during 2020 to upgrade our, our quality. And I think it took time to get that, get that approved by our customers, uh, including new customers. Um, but, uh, but we've seen, you know, we have, the customers have approved the material after we made quality uh, improvements. And we're seeing the benefit of stronger volume. So we, we have new customers uh, that, we've, that we've brought on uh, that we've gotten qualified. And um, so we have increased both that existing customers as well as new.
3: Okay, helpful. And if I'm thinking about the margin profile for the, the new volume or the new customers, uh, the ultra market is pretty opaque, I think, for most of us. So, you know, has there been a tightening in that market and should the new volumes that you're recovering with here, should they be at better margins than prior or is it just the recovery of the volume or the earnings you had lost earlier? I'm trying to understand if there's any differential to the new customer uh, volumes and the margin perspective so I would say um,
1: I would say right now equal to uh to the margins that we had, let's say in nineteen and twenty um, we are we are seeing competition coming in with imports um, so there's two things going on there's there's competition coming in with imports, but there's also improvements that we are making in quality and so uh, but I think we are. We, we feel that in, that uh, that products that have improved quality should have higher prices. So and Steve, the, if the, I the that the market is balanced.
2: I can just add one thing to that, Steve. So what's going to be actually interesting is when you look, to, you know, a couple of years out, we know there's going to be additional capacity required in the U.S. And and that's what's going to be interesting is you know as you look at uh, pricing based on that reinvestment economics. Uh, logically, pricing should go up. You know, once we get that new capacity coming in, because people have we're, we're now competing with older assets, by and large. And then, you know, there'll be a, should be a pricing reset three years out, let's say.
3: Okay, Alpha and Roy, really, can you just remind us what the hit was? Uh, I think you you had stated it back at the time when when the customer uh, void opened up. But what was the rough hit on that? Just from.
2: So we didn't didn't actually quantify it. What what we had said was that, uh, you know, if you look at SPPC, 80% of SPPC is the the three types of acid. And within that, about a quarter of it was ultra pure. And this was a very significant customer. So I think that's where we left it. And And I think we didn't really go much deeper than that.
3: Okay, very good. Um, And and just one last one, if I may, is you you reference some modest uptick on the chlorate side as as demand is recovering. I mean, how are you thinking about um, sort of the opportunity there from a recovery standpoint and any pricing benefits that you might be seeing? Well, so let's – this is uh, Scott. Um, we, we
1: are seeing a, a modest uptick in, in volume. I mean, it's a, it's a couple of percent uptick uh, in, in volume. Um, but I'll also say that raw material prices are going up,
3: and so pricing should at least follow that. Okay, so a, a flat margin profile at best uh, with some of the cost inflation, but better volumes on the margin. Yes, okay that's all thanks. Guys. I'll jump back with you.
0: Your next question comes from the line of David Newman from this Your line is open. Good
6: morning, Hey David. Uh, just looking at the ultra pure again, um I think initially when you're sort of thinking about this you're you're contemplating perhaps. Uh, bringing on a, a partner to get you down to sort of 5-nanometer capability and, and that sort of thing. So how does that fold in? What is the capability that you're going to have out at of at Cairo to kind of get to the, the smaller scale uh, overall? And maybe just kind of give us the, the spread of the timing of the of the CapEx over the next couple of years.
3: Okay, great.
1: So um, we, we have been considering uh, a – we have considered uh, a partner, and uh, but we we chose not to go with a partner for the for the Cairo expansion. Um, our team has been uh, has been working on the, on the, the design of a plant for yeah, for over eighteen months. Um, and as I previously mentioned, we made improvements um, to our production process. Uh, in 2020 and even some in in 20 and 21 and we've seen good results from that that gave us confidence um, that we could that that we can design this facility to meet the the demands of customers um, for for the new fab plants we have been working very closely with those uh, fab plants and um, and again that's why we have the the confidence that that we can do that now that would that being said the, um that, that being said, the expansion in, in Cairo is the first um, expansion of more uh, expected to come. And so um, we're certainly not precluding or excluding working with, with a partner on, um, on let's say, that the next expansion project, which could be quite sizable.
6: Okay. And to be clear, so this, this when you talk about the new fabs coming in, so you can get down to five nanometer and below? yes okay very good yes go ahead, go ahead Scott
1: yeah no that that's exactly what we're that's what uh, this plant is is targeted for
6: very good okay and the spread of uh, capex probably uh, Rohit? Like-
1: yes yeah yeah,
6: good.
2: yeah so I think we'll be, we'll be you know starting this up in uh, let's say middle of 22 ish and then you know we, we expect to get online by 24 so you can you know kind of put kind of Take it from there, and as we get closer to the plans, we'll give we'll give you a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, granularity on the actual spend
6: of the capex. Okay, very good. And then I look, you, you upped your guidance a bit for this year. It looks like about five million came from caustic, and about two million, uh, a bit of a recovery on FX here. Uh, but as you're sort of contemplating, I know I don't know when you think about you're going to be thinking about putting out 20 2022 guidance. But you're in a bit of a conundrum here because obviously with the the blazing hot uh, prices that we're seeing in chemical space, a little bit of a rollover recently. Um how do you think about that in terms of setting your guidance for next year timing? And you know you've got obviously caustic chlorine, hydrochloric, merchant, regen, ultra pure all working all working, and now a chlorate recovery. So other than water and just chlorate pricing and and a few other just small areas, things seem to be firing on all cylinders. And maybe just talk about how, you know, what we should be thinking of. I mean, can you get to those numbers that we talked about in the past, like, you know, 340, 350, and have So
1: So I'll, I'll start with that. And then I'll ask Rohit to add some color on that. The, the, simply the biggest unknown that I feel that we have right now is what's going to happen to caustic soda. You know, caustic soda in, has gone basically in, uh, in 10 months from 190 dollars um, uh, up to 900 dollars, yeah. but I right and so that it was just uh, just an explosive run up. However, last week, last week it fell from 900 down to uh, price in the 500s. I think yeah. it and and oh, did wow. five. so. Um, we you know where it's going to settle out. We we don't know. Uh, we, we certainly don't know. And so we're going to give ourselves some time. And uh, continue to study this market, um, and that's the that's the biggest unknown. Everything else, I think, we feel like like we have a, a good handle, uh, at least as good as we can, on what's going to happen uh, next year. But caustic, it, it's a, it is it's a very difficult commodity uh, to forecast.
6: Okay, and um, and when do you when are you putting out the the 2022 guidance? I mean, I'm sure it's probably going to be. Four Qs, you're going to think about this, or how are you going to...?
2: We, we might do it a bit earlier than that. Uh, we might actually do that this in January, uh, maybe middle to late
6: January is when we'll probably put it out, so
2: we won't wait until the annual results.
6: Got it. Okay. And uh, congratulations on the sale of Chemicals, and um, I think, Rohit, you had sort of mentioned in the past that you might uh, be able to get improved terms uh, with respect to rates, term, and covenant. Um, and uh, as your debt load eases, maybe you didn't talk about that, and you know just the setup on the balance sheet
2: sure, so you know when the pandemic started, we went out and got you know a modified covenant package just to be safe, and so clearly we don't need that now that we've paid down the, the debt using the blue proceeds, even you know even removing the earnings uh, from from that uh, from the specialty chemical business so um we will be, you know, most likely talking to our lenders to uh, modify the covenants to a more traditional covenant package. And in that, so when we when we did when we got the relief, our borrowing costs went up by 50 basis points across the grid. So we fully expect to, you know, roll that back and and, uh, and go back to a traditional covenant package. And and we're also looking at. You know, we've got three years left on the, on the term. The Canadian uh, lending market is pretty back to being pretty normal, so five-year tenors are pretty common. So we will look at whether we, you know, what what extensions we do there. And finally, we will look at the size of the facility too, because the, the facility is quite large, and now we'll have a very large undrawn revolving facility, and so we will look at whether that makes sense or, or not uh, to save some uh, standby fees, et cetera. So there'll be a few things going there. But all in all, I think the balance sheet. It's still, uh, you know, is definitely in a lot better shape. We still would like to get debt down, uh, total debt down a little bit, uh, and as, as you know, we we, are, we do have these organic growth opportunities. So clearly, we want to maintain the flexibility so we can, uh, you know, fund these uh, organic
6: growth opportunities too. Very good. And last one for me, just and I'll, and I'll hand the line over, Scott. Maybe if you think about the chlorine prices, have started to check back as well and um any sense on the demand supply factors at play there in the market and and does that when you look at the equation of chlorine versus hydrochloric acid does that make you uh consider burning more hydrochloric acid because the chlorine market's been very robust as well so how do you how do you think about the balance of of converting that into hydrochloric acid
1: yeah, so uh, historically, um uh, historically there's been a very clear winner for us and and that's HCL and the fracking industry in Western Canada. Um that was by far our, our preferred outlet for the for the, the chlorine molecule. Um during the past year, as uh, as the chlorine market has tightened up, uh chlorine prices uh, have come up nicely and so the uh, the, I'll say the clear advantage of HCL has not been as strong Um, so that that, that's not been as strong right now we we see certainly as we look out uh, for the next six months it appears to us that the chlorine market is going to stay uh, pretty tight so that that's what it looks like and we'll see how that that plays out but we also see right now with high oil prices um we, we're, we're beginning to see fracking activity, not beginning, but we've seen that fracking activity and fracking demand is picking up, and, so, and that's also pushing up uh, HCL prices. So that I expect to continue as well. And so we might find ourselves, well, I, I think we'll still find ourselves where, the, where our preferred outlet is HCL uh, into the fracking industry in Western Canada.
6: Excellent. Very helpful. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Rohit. Welcome.
0: Next question comes from the line of Jacob Bott from CIBC. Your line is open. Good
5: morning. Morning. Good morning. I to go back to I wanted to go back to the the ultra pure market and just any commentary you have on um, supply dynamics. Um, you know, over the next say three to five years, um, you know, what are what are the capacities being built?
1: So the. Um the capacity is being being built. Um, the the demand um, the, the the demand over the next three to five years um, should increase by more than than seventy five percent. I'll say um, a seventy five percent increase in total demand, which is very very strong. So that would be um, that would be in line, or maybe even slightly conservative. Relative to the announced fabrication expansions coming from the, from the major players here in the U.S., and that would include TSMC, Intel, Samsung, and others. So, if you look at their if if, if they bring the fabs on, or as they bring the fabs on, per their announcements, the, the market um, should have well, the market demand will grow by 75% or more. Now, in terms of expansions, there are uh, you know uh, there's well, there's our expansion in Cairo, um, but the, clearly the market is going to is going to need more uh, significant expansions. And so uh, my comment was that this is the this is our first um, you know our first announced expansion, and I expect to have more uh, coming out before long.
5: Sorry, in a 75% increase in total demand, how many how many tons would that be? Yes,
1: yeah, so
5: that's going to, uh, that's going to be
1: uh, an increase of let's say of seventy five seventy to seventy five thousand tons. Okay.
5: Um, and maybe just turning to the uh the chlorate market. I know the complaint historically has been you know lack of rational behavior within the industry you know what, what are the current dynamics right now?
2: So I think uh, we are, you know, we're, we're still waiting. So the wallet, the uncertainty that was there was the two sales that took place of the two businesses, um, Urco and then uh, Connexus, obviously, and during those sale processes where the there was some irrational behavior. So I think we'll get a better sense of this too when there are a few, you know, when you see some contract renewals and we see, uh, you know, how people are going to deal with uh, the increase in energy costs principally. And Because you know people are behaving rationally, they should definitely be passed through, and and so I think it's a bit early for us to tell because the one of the sales concluded uh, you know midway through this year, so so we'll really see next year and we'll get a good sense of it then.
5: So expect clarity what beginning of next
2: year? Um, I say by mid- middle of next year because these are not middle these contracts the- are not uh, calendar contracts; they do come up at different times.
5: Okay. Um, last question here is just on um, Illumina lim- prices. And, and I know you talked about it reverting back to historic levels. When do you think that'll be? So
2: it'll depend on the trajectory of the, you know, where, because if you're playing a catch up game, right? So if, if raw materials keep uh, escalating, then you, you keep falling, you know, you don't catch up. So really, it'll, come, it'll depend on when raw material uh, costs stabilize. And once they stabilize, it's probably, I'd say, A few months after that, a couple of quarters after that, is when you start to actually see benefit of the the higher prices and the lower costs.
5: So a couple of years of of lower margins, or or how do you think about that? Uh,
2: Well, so let's see, we'll have to see what happens. If raw materials, let's say, raw materials stabilize in the middle of next year, then by end of next year, we should be kind of, you know, starting to uh, see the rec- recovery in our selling price, but again, if, if raw materials keep going up, then you know it, we keep keep deferring the uh, the catch up by let's say six months.
5: Okay, we'll leave it there. Thank you, guys. Okay.
0: okay next question comes from the line of Andrea Lino from National Bank. Your line is open.
7: Hi. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my questions and uh, congrats on the good quarter. Uh, Question uh, from you. I'll, I'll start on the Ultra Pure uh, extended capacity. I just wanted to clarify that 60% increase at the CARE facility. How much does that represent an increase on your overall uh, production of Ultra Pure? Yes,
1: yeah, so we, we, have, we have not shared, let's say, our, our total capacity. Um, let's say our total capacity nor the the, the capacity of, of our individual sites and so we, and uh, so I don't plan to share that right now, but uh, but again we're uh, what 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 we are sharing you know is that the investment's going to be fifty million dollars, and we're expecting or targeting a twenty five percent return on that
7: okay uh, and if I may uh, follow up on that, uh, uh, Scott, have you had any preliminary discussions to to sell that capacity, or is it uh, too early at this point?
1: um uh, no we are we i'll say we are um well into the discussions to sell the capacity
7: okay that's that's great uh and uh, uh next couple of questions uh, uh for uh for Rohit actually uh if you can uh please uh remind us what is your target uh, debt level uh that you would be targeting
2: so our, uh yeah so we'd like our total debt which includes convertible debentures to be below four times uh Ebitda and our senior debt to be you know two and a half or below. So senior debt, you know, we're we're once we've, we've uh, you know paid off the 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 using the, 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 the proceeds of the, of the sale, we are pretty close to that, or we will be pretty close to that. And uh, total debt, we have still got a bit of a, a bit of ways to go, but uh, but there's no upcoming maturities. So this is really more kind of longer term targets for us.
7: Uh, great. Thank you. And the, the last one for me, uh, with, with uh, everything on demand uh, actually going up through most of your products, how are you thinking about uh, the dividend uh, for next year, or distribution, well, so, I should say?
2: So, I mean, clearly our board you know, looks at that uh, all the time, and, 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 you know, and we, we have our views on it as well. But I think uh, given, our, so that, that given our debt, given that uh, we have uh, organic growth opportunities, we believe that, you know, for now the, the distribution that was set is, is, a, is a good level and there are better uses of, of capital. Uh, but, you know, in time, of course, our, our board and we will look at it, but I, I think at this stage the better use of capital is to reduce debt, to have flexibility, because we do have some interesting organic growth opportunities, which is kind of different from the historic uh, view.
7: Okay. No, that's great. That's it for me. Thank you.
0: Again, if you would like to ask the question, press star, then a number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of Ben Isaacson from Scotiabank. Bank. Your line is open.
8: Thank you very much, and uh, good morning, everybody, and congrats on the good quarter. Uh, just two questions for you. Number one, um, the company is clearly moving out of recovery mode into uh, slowly growth mode. And uh, you've committed to this $50 million project right now, which is great. I guess my question is, as we look forward, um, you know, if you had a bigger war chest, where would you be putting that money right now? Where are there... Uh, low-hanging fruit opportunities to get returns similar to that 25% that you just mentioned. Can you maybe just talk about the segments or the products, or maybe even the time um, in terms of where
1: you'd like to see those those uh, investments being made? Sure, Ben. Um, so the, number one uh, is ultra pure. So the expansion that we're doing in Cairo is is the first expansion. Um, but, the, but given the expected uh, total demand in, in the market, the North American market for ultra-pure, um, the market is going to, to need um, a sizable expansion. And so that is a project that we are looking at very closely and thinking about uh, what's, the, what's the right way to, to meet the, the needs of the market. So that, that's a very important number, number two would be um, our hydrogen. So we have, you know, we previously announced uh, the our first commercial deal, if you will, for hydrogen uh, at our facility in, in British Columbia. Um, so we we have we have that. Our. The hydrogen that we produce in Brandon uh, is five times the amount of the hydrogen um, that's in in BC, and so there are a number of options that we are looking at for hydrogen um, that, uh, you know, all of which would fire would require some capital in order to bring that to the the marketplace. Um, But again, as we've said, it's it's green hydrogen, um, which should command a premium in the market, and there are nice opportunities. But we're we're evaluating uh, those opportunities as well and thinking about what's the right time um, to try to bring that to the marketplace and do that in a way that's, that we can, we can balance uh, growth in the company with, uh, with our leverage. And then number three um, would be some of the specialty products that we have in our water treatment business. So we have nice opportunities um, in the PAC and ACH a- market. We have other specialty products that we're developing. Um, our capacity is, uh, well, our, our production is. The demand right now is very close to our capacity with some of those products, and we have we have opportunities we think um, that we're lo- looking at to add capacity and to, so add significant capacity in water treatment. So those are those are three main areas that we're thinking about all of which would, would be capital, but would be nice growth projects for the company.
8: That's a great answer. And before I get to my second question, just to follow up on this, are the returns um, that you're projecting similar to the 25% or are they more kind of mid teens or how do you think about, I mean, you said number one, two, and three, are, do you want to just put a little bit into everything to diversify or is it really you want to finish number one first in, in ultra pure before moving on to hydrogen, et cetera? Uh, right
1: now right now it's still a little early to say um i would say that in the ult, in ultra pure we you know that uh, i i think 25% is uh, is a reasonable number there um and, and then the others that i think that's a good number uh it's a good number for us to strive towards strive to meet might like, but uh, so uh, that's all I will that's i think that's enough for now okay that's perfect. And let me just move on quickly uh, to my last
8: question, which is when we're thinking about kind of mid-cycle run rate margins or EBITDA margins for the three segments, you know, when I look at the SPPC, You guys have done a great job being consistent in that uh, 30% area, you know, plus or minus a little bit um, over quite a long time. Do you expect that to continue uh, in the water treatment segment? Again, same thing, you've been in the kind of low 20s and that's a step change higher than what we've seen in the past few years. Uh, Sorry, going back, you know, going 19, 18, 17. uh, How do you expect that to um, continue to be in the long run. Obviously, I'll leave the EC segment because that's a little bit more volatile. But can you talk about the water and the uh, software segments?
2: Yeah, I think those are fair. I think uh, in, in the water segment, only, the thing to keep in mind, although it won't be a huge factor, though, is the specialty cam business, you know, was at a higher margin, as you'd expect. Right. That's right. Out of it. But I mean, that's not going to make a huge difference. But the water business, I think, uh, you know, once we get back to... Uh, you know, uh, raw materials being uh, being stable, then I think there's no reason why we shouldn't be back to those kind of uh, margin levels. And again, in the sulfur and the SPPC segment, there's nothing structurally that's that different that should not allow us to, you know, be back at those mid-cycle margins.
8: Okay, so just on EC, like roughly 30% is kind of the run rate that we should be thinking about when everything is back to normal?
2: So you're talking about EC?
8: Yeah, 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 sorry, just asking on EC.
2: Yeah, EC is a, is a tough one, right, because we have to see uh, what does a mid-cycle look like. Uh, so fair not, enough, fair that enough. One, let's just hold off here.
0: Yeah, that's fine, that's fine. Thank you very much. Welcome. Okay. We have a follow-up question comes from the line of Steve Hansen from Raymond James. Your line is open.
3: Yeah, guys, sorry, just one follow-up on all the ultra-peer opportunity. Um, Are you able to provide us with any context as to how these new contract discussions uh, might be structured? Are they going to be multi-year agreements uh, and will pricing be reset on a regular basis? I'm just trying to understand how the margin profile is going to vary with some of this new business, uh, if at all, or how consistent you think it might be relative to where you've been in the past.
1: Yes. So, um, you know, what, uh, what I can share right now, is that um, uh, is that what I see is is a is a longer term commitment, which is different than what we've had before. And so, by longer term, um, I'll say multi a multi year agreement, um, coupled with uh, coupled with stable demand. Well, I'll say a growing demand profile, not stable, but uh, but stable in, in terms of, of demand. So we have seen. We have seen volatility in the past. Um, which, uh, which, is, if we're going to make this investment, we um, we don't, you know, uh, we, we don't. I don't want to see that volatility if we're going to make this uh, investment. Um, so that's what we're structuring a longer-term, um, longer-term agreement. Of course, what's um, also tied in, into that are future quality requirements. Uh, so that's a, that's a piece of it uh, as well.
3: And just so I understand that business a little bit better, like with the merchant business, you're you know you're exposed to some degree of sulfur prices. Um, what are the exposures there to think about from the input cost perspective that could uh, push your margins around a little bit, if at all?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's uh, the real input there is uh, input is sulfur, and typically in the SPPC segment, we are we can we're, we're able to you know offset that. Maybe it takes a bit of a lag, but generally speaking, you know that industry is pretty good at passing through um, sulfur. And of course, we've got the byproduct that we do sharing of you know selling price changes there. Uh, the other input cost is you know there's a bit of energy that we use for our regen business, but m- most of the regen contracts are such that you pass through changes in natural gas. So really there is really the volatility there is not. So much driven from the input side, it, it would really, really you know, be more from the, the pricing side.
0: Okay, helpful, thank you. Is there no further question at this time? We we'll would like to turn the conference back to Rohit Bhadwaj. Uh,
2: thank you and uh, thank you for your attention. And uh, Scott, do you have any closing remarks?
1: Or? No, I'd just like to, to say thanks to everyone for your time and, uh, and have a great rest of the day.
0: this concludes today's conference call thank you for participating Human Now Disconnect thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly if you enjoyed the cast remember to leave a good rating and remember for any additional inquiries please consult the company's investor relations section on their website see you next time